This is Radiate, the podcast that celebrates life and shines a light on life-restoring stories of organ, tissue, and eye donors, recipients, and information you need to know about donation. Welcome back to Radiate. This is episode 15. I'm Audrey Coleman, your host. Thank you for joining us today. Lynn Davis of Texarkana, Texas, lived with type 1 diabetes for 26 years. But five years ago in January 2016, Lynn was fortunate to receive a kidney pancreas transplant to replace her own failing organs. And Lynn is here today to share her donation story. Hi, Lynn. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hello, and thank you for having me. Oh, it is completely our pleasure. So before before we get into the interview, I'd like to just share a few uh, facts about diabetes with our audience. I know that many of us know someone who has diabetes, but we might not really understand exactly what it means or the difference between the two types. So type type 2 diabetes is the most common form of diabetes, and it means that the pancreas doesn't produce enough insulin or the body can't use it very effectively. And then the type 1 diabetes, which is the type you had, Lynn, uh, means that the pancreas produces no insulin. So even though more people have type 2 diabetes, there are still about 1.6 million people in this country with type 1 diabetes, which is a lot of people. So tell us, how did you learn that you had diabetes? At the age of nine, I, I became really ill. And in, in being ill, some of the symptoms that... Um, that appeared were um, constant thirst, um, the loss of weight, um, no appetite. And my mother was taking me to the doctors. It, it just, it, there was no diagnosis. Mm-hmm. There, there was no diagnosis around that time. And I remember one day my blood sugar was so high to where um, I was going into a coma. Wow. I was rushed to the hospital, and once I was rushed, rushed to the hospital, I don't remember much after that, but I remember awakening, mm-hmm. and I remember I was told that I had diabetes, never heard of it before, no one in my family was diagnosed, oh, but wow. I remember this, you know, the constant thirst, would, that got me the most, mm-hmm. but once um, I was I was told what I had, mm-hmm. um, we learned to deal with it, um, the education, that was the biggest part, just learning how to cope and deal with it. Yeah, well, you know, yes. And and so actually I was going to ask you um, how that diagnosis affected your life. And especially since there was no one else in the family who had the disease that you were aware of. So this was, this was very new to your family. Yes, ma'am. Very new. Once I was diagnosed, there awareness was brought to my family. And at that point I other family members were being diagnosed. Oh, I so see. There, yes, ma'am. Um, there was just people in my family are apparently been walking around with it, and just you know, there was lack of education um, on the on the topic of, of diabetes. And, mm-hmm. and like I said, once I became diagnosed, there was a lot of light shed on diabetes and being tested, early detection, and and there and there's treatment for it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, I mean, that's remarkable 
And that's, you know, that's a true example of what you hope will happen when someone learns about something as important and as life affecting as diabetes, that they take time to also learn more about it and see how it could affect them. So actually, in, in, a, in a way, your family was fortunate that you were able to bring that information to them. Yes, ma'am. So you had, so you were, you said you were how old when you were diagnosed? Nine. About nine. Okay. So very, very young. So when did you start realizing, did you ever have to do dialysis? No, ma'am. I was fortunate enough to, to not have to receive dialysis. Came really close, Mm -hmm. really close, but no, um, no dialysis. So So I was, I was blessed in the sense of not having to to go that route. Yes, that's 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 excellent um, because many people do end up having to um, to do dialysis because of the loss of functionality in their kidney. So you were you were I guess you could say a little lucky in that way that you didn't have to do that. But did it alter your that the diagnosis changed the way you lived your life? Yes, it did. It really did. It it. It affected the, my sleeping the most. Hmm. Um, I, it was so sensitive to uh, I, I couldn't sleep on my back. Um, I would have to sleep with pillows around my back and my sides because it was just there was a sense sensitivity in those areas around the pancreas and the back mm-hmm. area of the back. Mm-hmm. And the pillows were just there for for comfort. I just remember that the most that bothered me the most um, and, and just getting up walking, the swelling of my feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's another thing. It, it was awful um, to walk around with swollen feet um, often. Oh, I can imagine. And and how how did that affect your um, education? Were you, did you miss much school at first? Um, well, I was, I was in grad school at the time and, and going to, and, and going to grad school, there were times when I had a laptop in the bed with me. Mm-hmm. I'm in the hospital. I'm being hospitalized due to high glucose. And, you know, I've I had my laptop right there the whole time. So this, there were times where lots of days were missed. Um, lots of work was missed. Yeah. So uh, that, that was going to be my other question. So, so was it that um, during your childhood, were you able to resume of a relatively normal life? I mean, you mentioned that it was in graduate school when you began having these, you know, severe symptoms. Um, Prior to that, were you able to, you know, play with the other kids when you were younger, play with the other kids and go to school and, or did you have to change even those routines as well? No, I didn't. I didn't because my mother was really big on, on educating the school system. Mm -hmm. So there was there was always a heads up Um, and the heads up was more about educating staff, uh, the teachers, you know, uh, making them aware of my condition. So I I felt in growing up, I I felt really normal. You know, I I felt really normal. And and once the education was presented to uh, the teachers and 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 the students, um, they received it really well. So they knew what to look forward to if there was ever a time where my, you know, I was acting kind of weird or acting mm-hmm. off. You know, this, the kids knew to, to notify an adult. Um, there will be times where I'm having to miss class because I'm having to go check my glucose. So mm-hmm. um, 
So it, it's my mother played a big, a really big role in educating um, the school system, the public school system that I attended. And so there was not um, every once in a while I would kind of have the the teach the, the students that would be ugly, you know, every now and then. Sure. But it wasn't that often. It wasn't that often. Well, that's great. And that's that's wonderful that you had that kind of support from your mother and that she was you know, very um, assertive, I guess, in making certain that her child was going to be cared for when she wasn't around in school, when you were in school or whatever. So that's that's wonderful. Certainly they had to have made the experience um, somewhat not not quite as tragic for you to to have had that kind of support. Um, so, so you're in graduate school. Um, when was it that you started hearing, Lynn, you're going to need a transplant? I actually heard it for the first time in 2013. And, and, but it was only, it was brief. It was only brief in 2000 and I want to say about 2012, 2013, um, Speaking with my nephrologist, I just remember him stating that, um, you know, um, that my my levels, my my kidney level, my creatinine level mm-hmm. levels were were elevated. And so the visits were were pretty. They went from every six months to pretty frequent. And I knew at that point every four months it went from every every six months to every four months I knew it was something the visits were just too close mm-hmm. you know, and 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 attending the you know the doctors and I remember it really hit me in 2014 I was going for a normal doctor's appointment my mom went with me my husband wasn't able to go so my mom went with me and it was just a normal doctor's appointment, like always. Mm-hmm. And uh, they make you go doing lab, do lab work first. So mm-hmm. my mom and I are sitting there talking and the doctor walks in, you know, we have established a great rapport with him. And mm-hmm. I just remember him. And I remember it so vaguely. Oh, I remember him saying that um, my kid. I remember him telling me that kidney levels were transitioning at a rapid rate and I remember saying in another year and a half you are going to need a transplant Mm -hmm. I just sat there and I said what and he said you're going to need a transplant and another he said I'm just giving you an estimate in another year year and a half and I just sat there in shock I can imagine I I just couldn't get myself together because I just thought it was a regular doctor's appointment And my mother, she she stepped in and she, my mother stepped in and she just, she, I was speechless. So she stepped in and she, you know, she took over at that sure. point, right. asking questions, you know, how, you know, what do, we do, is there anything that we can do to stop the process or slow the process? And um, so at that point, it was just, I was in shock, you know, just to know that I'm going to need a kidney in a year and a half. So as we're speak, as we're talking, he said, well, since we're doing the kidney, we might as well do a pancreas as well. So wow. that's how we, we, um, we, we began talking. Uh, we came up with a game plan. Mm-hmm. I started going every four months and then going in every four months. It was, I'm telling you at, at that point, I had to keep my blood sugar under control or my glucose under control. 
because it slowed the process down a little bit more to where I didn't need it as, as quickly. Right. But he couldn't have been more accurate when he said in a year and a half, because that's exactly when uh, I was needing it. I was at that point. Um, I didn't feel the, the symptoms weren't as bad, at, you know, at that point. But as time transitioned and it, and time went on, it I could tell. Yeah. I could tell uh, as I'm walking, um, my lower back, it, it was awful. But um, thankful, I'm I'm so thankful that we were keeping a close eye on it. Yes, yes, keeping a close eye on it. That's when you know there he he actually told us the process of what we had to go through. He referred us to um to the Willis Knighton Transplant Center report mm-hmm. and. They just got the ball rolling. We just we hit we hit the ground running. Um, so so tell me, what was that like? Um, you got a. I'm guessing you got a page or a phone call or something. How were you notified, and how did you feel in that moment? One thing they tell us when you go for your evaluation, and it's much more than receiving a transplant. I I tell others that. It's much more than receiving a transplant. It's so much it's, it, that's behind the scenes that people mm-hmm. don't see. Yeah, you're having to go through. You're having to go through the physical. You're having mm-hmm. to go through, you know, um, um, a medical appointments. You're having to be cleared to actually be placed on the waiting list. So you don't just. Not everyone is placed on the list. That's correct. So that's correct. that we that it, we were. We were blind by that. We thought, hey, since I needed this transplant, I was going to get it. You have to be cleared. You have to be medically cleared. And their whole goal is to put you in a better position than you were before. So if it's going to place you in worse condition than what you were in, then their thing is we won't go through with the process. But um, I remember... I received a letter in the mail August the 24th of 2014 saying that, uh, or 2015, I'm sorry, 2015 that I, I was on the waiting list. Um, they tell you to keep a bag pack. They tell mm-hmm. you to post the home. And that's basically what my husband and I did. We just went on with daily life, with our lives, going to work, um, you know, just being ourselves. And I received, a, I never forget, I was coming from visiting my grandmother and as soon as I made it back into Texarkana, I'll never forget this lady. Her name was Miss Carolyn. And she 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 contacted me. And this was a month later. Hmm. I was placed on the list in August of uh, 2015. I received a phone call the next month. And it was just so I was so in shock. Oh, yes. I was like, in a month's time? Um, so, you know, hey, we, we're prepared. We're ready to go. So I contact my parents and um, my, my husband and I, we get on the road. We, we get there. And I remember we, we got there and we started pr- the procedure mm-hmm. um, the night before. They kind of gave, gave us an estimated time as to when the organs would, would be on their way to the facility mm-hmm. and when the surgery would take place. And I remember the time. The, they kept pushing the time back. Time kept going back. Time kept going back. Well, you know, we're going to transplant you at 10 o'clock. Well, we're going to transplant you at 12 o'clock. And I'm like, mm, something's not right about this. Trying to be positive, mm-hmm. trying to be optimistic. And I, I, ne- I will never forget, um, I'm lying in the bed 
and my family's in the room with me and the doctors come in. There's a team of doctors that come in, transplant doctors, and they shake my husband's hand and they, you know, greeted everyone. Mm -hmm. And he said, Miss Davis, I'm sorry. He said, we're not going to be able to transplant you. And I said, why not? He said, these organs, they stayed outside the body for too long. Uh, and to, I was so devastated in my oh, heart yes. to be so close, to be so close. And I told my husband, I was like, how do we go on? Like, how do we go on? I, I was that close. Oh, right. I mean, that's a that's a huge blow. It was. I was devastated. But one thing I was I was I was thankful. You know, mm-hmm. I was I was disappointed. But at the same time, I was thankful. I was thankful and I thank them for being honest with me. Oh, and yes. My mom said, Lynn, they could have transplanted you and you be back here, you know, next week. So she said, we have to look at this in a positive way. And we thank them for being honest. Right. And he said, um, I remember one of the doctors saying I wouldn't transplant any of my family members with those organs. He said, we're going to move forward. We're going to keep doing what we've been doing. He said, you keep doing what you have been doing. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was it was tough to have to go, you know, to just go on to work and to act like nothing ever happened. And yes, because I mean, you had your hopes all the way up there. I mean, you were steps away from the OR and then to receive that news that, oh, no, can't do it. I mean, that had to have been really devastating for you. And, And I had feelings. Like I said, I was thankful. But I was just so close. Oh, of course. 26 of course. years. 26 years. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm finally going to get what I need. Yes. Um, so we go on with life. We go on, we go on, we go on. And I'm at home one day and I'm helping my son with his homework. And I'm getting ready for my shift. And um, I received another phone call from this same lady. And um, at this time, like, I'm, I'm aware I'm like, okay, I know this is her. I was nervous, but I answered the phone. And she, you know, same lady, polite. Hey, this is Miss Carolyn. Um, We found you in Oregon or organs. You can be on your way. So we pack up, we get down there. And each time, each time they would do something different that they didn't do the last time. And my husband said, Lynn, this is it. He said, I know this is it. He said, I'm telling you, he said, they didn't do this last time. Mm-hmm. And my mom, she said, Lynn, she said, I just, I feel it. She said, it, this is it. So um, January the 21st, they prepped me, you know, they, and I'm so excited where I can't sleep that night. I was <laughs> so excited. I'm like, oh, my goodness. When I wake up, I'm going to have what I need. Yes. And I remember it took them eight hours but January the 22nd, I received my second chance in life. And I get so emotional when I talk about it because sometimes I feel like I'm living a dream. Yes. You know, 26 years, that's a long time. That is a very long time. Mm-hmm. And I, sometimes I wake up and, you know, I've, I'm so used to being so routine with, you know, taking ch- my glucose, glucose and, um, and taking my insulin. But I wake up now and and I I only take four pills a day, four. And none are for for and, diabetes. 
That's that's for the transplant to make sure that I don't that I don't, I don't go in rejection. Yes. Uh, I'm no longer diabetic anymore. I feel normal. That is, I cannot imagine what that must have been like. And I I I I like to ask recipients, um, transplant recipients. You know, you you know, you obviously were feeling unwell, and that's you know minimizing it. You were feeling unwell um, prior to your transplant. Can you remember? that moment when you were like, oh my gosh, I feel well. I'm not feeling those things that I was feeling before. I'm not feeling the pain in my back. I'm not feeling, I'm not having to sleep with those pillows. When did that become real to you that all of a sudden, oh my gosh, I'm not sick with that anymore? After my transplant, um, I had a lot of complications. So it took me roughly two years to, to get back on my feet mm-hmm. um, and out of the hospitals a lot. Sometimes we'd make it home and we'd have to rush right back. So I could say that second year, once my feet hit the floor, when I woke in the morning and I just felt like um, there was no, no fluid, no weight on me. It just, I felt like a normal person. That's when I could truly say that I that I I was that I was everything was good um, because some mornings when I would wake b- before my transplant my feet would be so heavy with fluid and oh. you know, I felt horrible you know but, but once I that's when I finally realized that you know this is it like I'm living I'm living like a normal person now when I wake up in the morning and my and my heat feet hit the floor and nothing hurts on me nothing hurts that's incredible. It's, it's, it's such a great feeling. It, oh, it's yeah. a feeling. And and like I said, at this point in my life, I feel normal. You know, I've always wanted, I always prayed that I just want to be normal for normal. once. Right. That's, that's, that's incredible. And that's true. I mean, when you are in a situation where you are not able to function fully as yourself, you want to be normal. You just want to be able to be the person that you are. Mm-hmm. And transplantation has allowed you to become that person. So just in general, in kind of the most basic ways, um, how has having the transplant changed your life? It has really changed my life because I was able to I was able to go back to school and actually finish and not have to miss a day of school. Um, Right after the transplant, I received my, my master's degree. I started working on my doctorate degree. I now have a doctorate degree. Congratulations. Now, when I tell you, when I tell you, I'm just, when I love talking and telling my story because it just seems like I'm living a dream, you know, but that was one thing I was able to go back to school and not miss a day or not have to call my teacher and tell her, hey, you know, my you know, my blood sugar is high today. I'm not going to be able to make it or, you know, I'm not feeling well. I'm not going to be able to make it, but to be able to go through and not have, not have to to be ill or to, for my husband, my family, you know, it it was, it, it, it's not just, it wasn't just my issue. It was a family issue for them and all the hospitals with me. It Mm -hmm. felt so great to even go a year six months without someone having to go, you know, stay at the hospitals with me. 
once I once I hit that six month mark, and I'm like, wow, I haven't gone to the doctor and I haven't gone to the hospital. I haven't been admitted. That's when I was like, oh, goodness, like this is it. And then different. (laughs) Yes. And to go from six months to a year. You know, I've had my ups and downs. You know, I've had some rejection, but we've gotten back on our feet. Mm -hmm. So it's just the fact that my family doesn't have to take time out of their day or their life to have to sit in the hospital bed with me every day or to have to, you know, be my caregiver. It's just that's enough. Well, that, I mean, that's that's wonderful that you, I mean, not only are you thinking about how it's changed or affected your life for the better, um, I mean, you think about how it's affected your family as well. And yes. that's, that's a very generous position to take. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and knowing how much your family has supported you through all of this and to now be able to see them being able to enjoy your health along with you enjoying your health. Um, so... Sometime during this, after after you received your transplant, did you ever start thinking about the the donor? Did you start wondering who your donor was? Once I was going through my phases, the two years of trying to, to get back on my feet, I just remember one day I was so sick. I was, oh, I was sick. And I just remember saying to myself, you know, even though I'm sick, I have what I need. And I just remember saying, when I get back on my feet, I have work to do. I have I have a, a, a donor that I need to thank. And I just pray that if I, you know, when he allowed me the opportunity to get back on my feet, I was going to start doing some volunteer work because this has really changed my life. And it's changed my life so much to where I, sometimes I'm just, I'm speechless. So, um, Meeting my Oregon donors family, um, it took a while because I was I was immediately like ready right after my mm-hmm. transplant. My husband, I said, I'm ready. Like, I'm ready to meet the family. But he helped me understand. He said, Lynn, they may not be ready yet. You know, he said, I'm pretty sure he said counseling and psychology is your field. He said they may not be ready yet. Yeah. And I never thought of that. I was just thinking about the excitement of wanting to thank oh, them. Of course, of course. You know, to, you know, I was just wanting to thank them and like to just show them like how much that their son has blessed me. But I, it, I didn't, I did it. I kind of backed off after that, after that, my husband said, well, we're going to let them, let's let them reach out to us. Mm-hmm. So I did. It took a while mm-hmm. took three years, but I'll never forget. Um, my organ donors family they're from Louisiana. Ah, mm-hmm. I, I took a job in Louisiana. And the, the day that I took my job in Louisiana, that was the day that I heard from them. Oh, what a coincidence. And it's an hour away. <laughs> so um, I just wanted to thank them. But for me to actually get to meet them directly, that uh, that was just enough for me. You know, that was enough for me. That was that was my closure. That was my. That was my opportunity to thank them. And I can't ever thank them enough. You know, I can't ever thank them enough. But I feel like now I'm a part of their family. You know, not only am I an organ, an organ recipient, but I, I have work to do. I have a I have a, an organ donor that I is my responsibility to honor them. It is my responsibility to 
show them that what they their son did was not in vain. I'm, I'm sure that you are very happy that you've had the opportunity to personally thank your donor's family. Um, and, you know, it's, it's not uncommon. We do hear frequently that um, donors and recipients create a special bond and it does become very much like family. And it's very clear that you have that kind of relationship with your with your donor family as well. So, Lynn, I know that you said that you were interested in doing some volunteer work. Um, have you been able to do that? Uh, yes, ma'am, I have. And I've actually had the opportunity of volunteer work. I'm I'm an um, I'm an ambassador. Mm-hmm. I'm also um, I do a lot of volunteer work for LOPA, uh, STA, mm-hmm. and Aurora, but I was yes. introduced to Aurora through um, someone that I grew up with, and he actually works for Aurora. And he 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 pretty much let me know the 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 ins and outs of it, of the importance of uh, volunteer work. Mm-hmm. And once I once I got into it, and I started seeing like, wow, I actually love this. It's healing. It was so much healing for me because I'm getting to the opportunity to tell my story, but there's, there's someone that I grew up with that works for Aurora. He introduced me to, to the the facility. And I've, I've had the opportunity of once I started, okay, I like Aurora. So let me keep going. And um, each state is near and dear to my heart, Arkansas. I was born and raised in Arkansas, Texas. I currently live and Louisiana is is the state in which I received my transplant. So I, I don't ever mind the volunteer work. So now I drive, I drive all the way to Dallas sometimes, you know. Um, I drive all the way to Shreveport sometimes. Sometimes I do volunteer work on my own. So, um, but that's how I was introduced um, to some, um, someone that currently works there at Aurora. Um, and it was a great opportunity. I've had the opportunity of coming in the office there at Aurora and meeting everyone. Mm-hmm. And everyone's so friendly there, so supportive. Um, they're active. They're very active in the community. And, um, I'm just so thankful that they've actually allowed me the opportunity to be a part of it. And we are so thankful that you have given your time to us and, and also to those other states as well. Um, your message is incredible and your energy is great. And we're just so happy to have you part of our volunteer team. And I'm sure that in Texas and Louisiana, they are as well. I've had some wonderful experiences. Every experience is not the same. Every time I go, I learn something different or I meet people that they're just they weren't aware of, you know, of organ donation. Or there's some information that some misleading information that I've had the opportunity to to correct. And then correct that they've had the opportunity to look at it a whole different light, Mm -hmm. you know, to actually meet someone. Um, I did some volunteer work in Louisiana about three, three months ago. And I've had several of them say, I've never met an organ, organ mm-hmm. recipient, never met one. I didn't even know that you could, you can, you can transplant a, a pancreas. You know, a lot of people, that's my main, that's their main uh, question. Like, I didn't know you could, can you really do that? Right. Like, yes, you can do that. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm living proof. Yes. <laughs> um, so it's just though every opportunity to, that I get to speak and, and on my, or to, to educate on my community, um, on organ donations and to show them that I'm living proof that it's not, it's not a mistake. Um, 
and to actually thank the the donor for even wanting to do this, you know, um, for a while, I kind of felt really, I felt kind of, I felt bad, you know, and then reading, I, you know, I ended up finding out that that's, you know, survivor's guilt. And I went, I went and I'm like, this is what I've been experiencing to finally put, to finally put into words like, this is what I've been feeling. Like, you know, even though I got my second chance in life, you know, there's times where I felt, I felt bad because mm-hmm. I'm thinking, here it is, I'm waiting on someone. And this is my exact words, I'm waiting on someone to die. And I said, I, was, I wasn't raised like that. And it bothered me so much to where I talked to my mom one day about it. Mom, I said, it's really bothering me. I said, it's really bothering me that I'm waiting on someone to pass away in order to receive their organs she said baby you cannot look at it like that she said you look at it like they volunteered to do something and to help you and she said you thank them for it and she said but don't ever look at it like you're waiting on someone to die because it's something that they wanted to to, to do that your mom is very wise and you know it's it's interesting that you that you would say that because um, one of our really really um, longstanding uh, volunteers who is a um, donor mom, I remember her saying years ago uh, when I first started working uh, with Aurora that um, you know people will say, "Oh, I'm so sorry that um, your son had to die so that these other people could live," and she said he didn't have to die so that these other people could live. He died and then he died and other people are now living. It's not, there's there's not a a reciprocal relationship or anything, it is a gift. But it's, I I think it's pretty common though um, for recipients to find it difficult um, at first maybe to reach out or to uh, receive contact from the donor family, just for those, those very reasons that you've mentioned. But, but I love the way your, your, your mom kind of framed that for you. I hope that that really helped you to be able to see it differently. Yes, ma'am, it did. And it helped me out so much. But like I said, the closure was in meeting them and, and to hear them say that they're not angry. You know, they're not angry that their son was a donor. They're not angry there, you know, because I always felt like they were probably angry with me, mm-hmm. you know. And to hear them say, no, we're not angry with you. Actually, our son is living on through you. And 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 they couldn't have chosen a better person to, to receive those organs because you are allowing our son's legacy to live on. And I, that's something that I, when I get up in the morning, that's something that I said that I would do. I would always, I will always remember him. I will always keep him close to my heart you know, I'm, I do volunteer work and I honor him and I do it with so much grace and so much gratefulness to where he's my hero. He's my hero. Well, you are certainly honoring him today and your, your message there, you have such a joyful message. Um, It's clear that you are so appreciative and so thankful for having been given the second chance at, at life and, you know, it makes me wonder, and you obviously understand the importance of organ and tissue donation and registration. So what do you tell people who might be making, trying to make that decision or aren't sure what to do about donation? What would you say to them? One thing that I will say to them is 
when I do my volunteer work, I, I let them know that it's a it's a personal decision. Um, once I educate them on the importance of it and they see me, um, I, I let them know that it's a personal decision as to whether they want to be an organ donor or not. But I also let them know that they're helping someone else out. Um, they're helping someone um they're helping someone to 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 live a longer life um and to bless them with the opportunity of having that second chance at life um like I did um so I basically just let them know that it's a personal decision um there's no right or wrong answer it's it's a personal decision I've had someone to ask me that before should they I won't ever answer for anyone because that's a personal decision. But one thing I always tell them that being an organ donor is it, it's you're providing somebody one with the gift of life. Absolutely. Lynn, thank you so much for sharing your donation story with us today. It's 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 inspirational. And I hope that people hear it and are moved to register to become donors. And I have no doubt that that will happen. Thank you again. Thank you. And if you have questions for us, please call 501-907-9150. And if you're ready to make the life restoring decision and register to become an organ tissue and eye donor, go to donatelifearkansas.org. Radiate is a production of Aurora and is hosted by Audrey Coleman, Aurora's Director of Communications.